Good morning. Today's reading is Psalm 95. We'll be reading from the New International Version. Please follow along as the text is presented on the screens above. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massah in the wilderness where your ancestors tested me. They tried me, though they had seen what I did. For 40 years I was angry with that generation. I said, they are a people whose hearts go astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. Hello, I am Pastor Mark, if you didn't know. I've been uh, mostly away this summer on sabbatical, and I want to thank all of you for that, that gift. Uh, I said a little bit about that last week. I'm going to touch a little bit more on that today. But thank you so much. And I know that I missed some um, storm, stormy stuff around here that has to do with human sexuality. And I just wanted to let you know that at our annual meeting next week, I'll try to bring whatever wisdom and leadership I can to that issue. So I encourage you to come to that next, next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. And I want to thank particularly uh, uh, the rest of our staff, Pastor Sharon, J.D., for their uh, I, working while I was playing. How's that? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I did and I recommend to others is, is scripture memory. And um, it's work, but it's work that has a good effect on the soul. And so one of the verses or passages that I memorized is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And it be, I'll just read the, or give you the first part. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And it, if you can do that, actually set your heart on things above, uh, good things happen. So I experienced that. And in that, or out of that, came this idea of this short three-week sermon series called It's All About God. When it's all about us, we tend to get anxious. Have you ever noticed that? And it's not a bad thing to come to God with your anxieties and to start with your anxieties and your problems, and we all have them, and we cry out to God. That's, what, that's called prayer, and that's okay. But it's even better to start with God, start with Him, and work backwards towards us. That's called the God-centered life, and we see that. Who do we see that best illustrated in, in the scriptures? You know the answer. Yeah, it's Jesus, right? Yes, yeah, the answer to most questions that are asked in church, but okay. <laughs> you guys are on it. Jesus lived the God-saturated, God-centered life, and 
It's cool. It's really cool to see that. Well, so this week, it's all about God, and we're going to talk about it's all about worship of God, and then the beauty of God, and the justice of God. So what is it about worship? And we just did some of that through song. There's other ways to worship God, but music is a powerful medium for worshiping God. Not the only one, but powerful. And when we do that, and we do it in a, well, we'll get into what it looks like here in a minute, but when we, when we do it in a, in a, with the spirit and truth or in, in an authentic way, when we worship God in an authentic way, something happens in us, it is good for us. So research, I'm not going to go into it, but research, there's lots of levels of it that show that people who worship God in places like this on a Sunday morning have, they live longer lives, congratulate yourselves, you're going to live a long time, and they're healthier, so that's the, the general sense of the research. And it's significant. So uh, worship uh, is good for us. It's, it's really good for us. Uh, and we want to look at how that works out. And uh, we'll come back to that, that thought later on. Let's take a look. Uh, I want to give you an outline here so that you know that we're actually going somewhere. And there will be an end to this. I'm not getting in. Oh. Okay. I'm out of practice. I don't know, you know. <laughs> haven't used one of these for a while. All right, we're going to define worship. And then we're going to look at two worship invitations that come out of the psalm. And then we're going to look at the warning that is in the psalm, you know, Psalm 95. So what, how would we define worship? Uh, this is a, a kind of a general one that I picked up. Uh, an act of ascribing ultimate worth or value that engages your whole being, meaning something like your emotions, your will, your body, your mind. Okay, that's, that's, a, that's a working definition of what worship is. You ascribe ultimate value or worth to something. So in the old English, you may have heard this before, but it comes from worth ship. Or, this is also related, worth shape. So what you worship shapes you. So what you love becomes who you are. Or here's another way to say it that I really liked. Whatever you look at, you become. Whatever you get preoccupied with shapes who you are. Got that? That's the implications of this. Now, another implication of this definition, and what I just said, is that everyone is a worshiper. There is no such thing as people who worship and people who don't. This is biblical uh, truth. Everyone worships something. And, you can, and, and that something could be anything that you ascribe ultimate worth or value that engages your whole being. And it can be a career, it could be uh, finances, it could be politics. I mean, you see that all the time. People are investing in politics, ultimate value, and they become totally engaged in it. Uh, It could be a romance, it could be education, it could be whatever. We can worship anything. And um, I was, okay, so to my, my sabbatical little story. I, I went on a, a backpacking trip in the Olympic mountains for five days. I slept on the hard ground. And uh, this, is, this is just, I was trying to relive my past. And it did, uh, for some reason I'm older, you know. <laughs> 
But I went with a college roommate and uh, my brother, but my college roommate is a really interesting guy whom I, I'm getting, we're getting reacquainted again, and he, he lives in the Seattle area. But we, we put this trip together a year ago, and um, uh, he, he's really, he, he has all these degrees in science. And so I came to the conclusion that, as I looked at this definition, that he's, he ascribes science ultimate worth or value that engages his whole being. In other words, he's made huge life choices about who God is and what, you know, where I go to school and what do I do in life. It's all been based on, on science. He believes it's the only real source of truth. It's called scientism. I mean, many have named it. Uh, I didn't want to bring that up to him, but that's what he... And the funny thing is, like, what did I say earlier? The old English, worth, shape, right? Worship, worth, shape. He looks, I, I, he looks like Dr. Brown in Back to the Future. He has a mad scientist look. This is proving my point, that whatever you worship, you begin to look like. I would put his picture up there, but that would not be fair to him, and I love him. So, Also on my sabbatical, I read a book by uh, Yuval Harari. Anybody heard that name? He wrote, he's also written a book called Sapiens, which has become very popular. But this book is called Homo Deus. And, and I read it through, and I was thoroughly fascinated by it and very, very scared by his conclusions. So take that for what it's worth. But the end of it, he believes in something called dataism. Dataism is his, what he ascribes ultimate worth to. And he believes that human beings, homo sapiens, human beings as we know them, are data carriers. This is for you who work in technology. Humans are seen as data carriers and that the algorithms that come out of that, we, he doesn't believe that we have free will, that we're all, yeah, anyway, I won't go into all the details of it, but that we will give birth as humans to some, another species through evolution and through this God of dataism. So you're not a human, as the Bible defines it in the image of God, you're a data carrier. It's a very low view of what it means to be a human being. And the conclusions that he draws are scary. So scientism, data, dataism, uh, just two examples of what you can get into that describes ultimate value or worth. All right, let's get to the Psalm, Psalm 95. I want to read to you uh, again, the first few verses, and this is these these are an invitation to worship. If you didn't hear it, but it's it's actually a command. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the Rock of our salvation. Let us come before Him with thanksgiving, and extol Him with music and song. What do you notice about that? Um, uh, shout to the Lord, sing joyfully, just take those. Uh, it, does that come easy for you, to sing joyfully, to shout to the Lord? So th- this is the Hebrew uh, world is a little warmer than ours in terms of uh, not just closer to the equator, but warmer in terms of personality. So I want to ask you, are you more of a cool person or a warm person? Now, a warm person will enter into life 
when they hear stuff like that, and they'll just start doing it. Now, nobody shouted to the Lord, and a few of you are, are extroverts, and you might think, this, is, this would be a bad time to do that right now. Okay, just whatever. But it, it, we, when you have time, and when somebody says, come, let's, let's do this, you just immediately enter in, and you're kind of an all-in person right away. You don't need to process things. Or are you a more cool person, like me? I'm a cool person. <laughs> Trust me. I'm a cool person, as I define it, that you have to process things, you have to slow down, you have to observe, you have to live out of your head a bit. This is, a, this is the curse that many of us live with, and it's, you're, we're really slow, it takes a lot to get us warmed up. And, uh, you know, eventually, I know, you know, if those that know us well, they know that we can get warm, but it does take a long time. Now, what do you need of those, of those things of the whole being, of the four that are there? Which is the one that you need if you're a cool person? Yeah, you, gotta, you have to have, we live out of our heads more. And so, um, the mind. And you, if you're going to enter into something, you need to understand it better. So, verses three to five are just for you and for me, because we have that preposition for. Here's the reason that we should sing to the, joyfully to the Lord and shout to the Lord. The Lord is the great God, verse 3 says, for the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the lowest places, and the mountains. He's formed them. The sea is his, he's reflecting on Genesis chapter one, the sea is his, as is the dry land. So what's the reason that the psalmist gives us for worshiping God in a very exuberant, warm, maybe hot way? What does he say to our minds? It's about God being the creator. He appeals to creation. In fact, he uses the word rock, which is an image of creation, to uh, describe God. God is the powerful God. Um, do you know, the, 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 I, I've used this before, but the mountains and the valleys, and this would have been really huge for the, um, the Hebrew people to consider the mountains and the valleys and the dry land and the sea. They hated the sea. The sea was very threatening to them. It was this vast unknown. But through, the, through Google Maps and all the rest, we are not quite as impressed with that part of creation anymore. But through technology, let's hear it for technology, the Hubble telescope, when we look up into the sky, and you know, I, I quote these numbers because they just impress me so much, and I, I've also shared this before, that's the only thing that makes our national debt look small, you know. <laughs> but the galaxies, are, like the Milky Way, is somewhere between, and this is, I, I throw these numbers out because nobody knows, but 100 billion to 300 billion stars, and there's 100 billion to perhaps a trillion galaxies in the universe, and we don't really know the end of it all. That's a lot. We can't, we can't, you know, I mean, I was, I was math challenged, but still, you know, it was. So I, the point is that we, we look up at the sky at night and we can see with the naked eye, maybe if we're really, really good at it and it's a dark night, you could maybe see 4,000 stars and, and then you'd just, in the morning, you'd just collapse and sleep all day, I guess, because that's a lot of counting. But that's, that's, when we look up, we're impressed with what we see, knowing that there is so much more. And that's, it's almost infinite. I mean, who knows? I mean, it seems infinite. And that's the power of God in creation. That's what the psalmist is trying to say. Be impressed 
worship God because for that preposition, he is the one who created all of this. So there's reason number one, invite number one. Invite number two is very different. And it has to do, um, I'll I'll just read it in verse six, but it's not about creation. Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. The Hebrew word for worship, I gave you the old English one, but the Hebrew word has to do with getting yourself really, really low, prostrate before the Lord. And it's not, so it's not a, um, did I say prostate? Okay. I'm not the first one that's done that. Okay. (laughs) Prostrate, how's that? Yeah, I always notice it when other people do that. All right. I'm still cool. All right. You can add, here, here's for those of us who struggle to warm up to these commands to kneel down, to shout, to all that stuff. Here, here's something we need to be reminded of. You can act your way into feeling something that's right better than you can feel your way into acting something that's right. It's just, I won't go into the examples of that, but, well, maybe I will. When I do dishes, I really don't want to do dishes, but halfway through, I'm just, I'm looking for anything to wash. I love doing dishes. So what it, it's, it's once I get into it and start doing it, then I start feeling like doing it. And that's what worship, it has that same quality to it. As is memorizing scripture. I mean, there's just a lot of things in that category. Um, Well, the good news is there's another reason given in verse 7. We have that preposition again, for. For those of us who are cooler and we need that reason, here it is. For he is our God. So before it was, you know, he was the great creator. But here, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. It's relational language. It's not creational language. It's very different. Another reason to worship for those of us who need it. And it implies that we are a certain kind of animal. What is that animal? Sheep. And so uh, I, I gave this sermon one time. It's, it's actually, it's very nice that the, the, the Hebrew writer kind of skirted around. He didn't come out and say that we're sheep. I gave this sermon one time, uh, a long time ago, when I, when I was um, in Alaska. And uh, a woman came, I, I said that sheep are, I think I used the word stupid, it was something like that, really dumb or stupid or something like that. And she came up to me afterwards, and she was in tears. And she was really upset, too. Why did you have to say that about sheep? <laughs> you know? And I said, well, you know, you know, I did my work at the commentaries, and, you know, and I've, I've talked to people, I've seen sheep, I know sheep personally, they are really stupid, you know? <laughs> But her response to me was, I mean, she was so sincere. I, I got to give her, and I, try, I really wasn't trying to break her heart, but she had a thing for sheep. And um, I said, or she said, but Jesus was the Lamb of God. You know, it was really. And I said, okay, now I get, okay, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Well, just think of it this way, that every metaphor takes you so far, right? I mean, God's not really a rock, I mean, he's like a rocker, you know, so. So I said, but then, too, think about, 
uh, what happened to those sheep in the Bible when they were brought to the temple and how they were sacrificed and their blood was given for us. And then she started crying more. She didn't like blood. <laughs> I mean, it, this is not going anywhere. <laughs> but um, sheep are dumb. Here's what, here's what, if you do the research on sheep, they are so helpless. They can ha- that home could be right over here and they're 10 feet away and they feel lost. That's how, yeah. I mean, the only animal on the farm that approaches them in stupidity is the turkey, I'm told. And <laughs> I don't know, if you had a contest, I don't know who would win, but, but they really are. And they, they are so dependent on the shepherd. That's the point. That's why it's a great imagery for us. They are so dependent on the shepherd. We are the people of his flock. So when I was, I've used this illustration before, but I, I, it's so good for me. It's, just, it's a personal thing for me. So when I was five or six years old and in that, in that era of life, I remember more than once my dad waking me up in the morning, really dark or whatever, and we were going to go do something together, you know, fishing or hunting or hiking or something like that. It was in that category. And we were on these um, logging roads, these dirt logging roads that go over western Washington and then, and I had no idea where we were. No, absolutely no idea on the map where we were. All I knew was that I was with my dad. That was enough. That's what the writer is getting at here. We are his people. We belong to him. That is enough for us as his flock. John Calvin, and uh, go back even further to uh, St. Augustine, uh, tap into this thing called double knowledge. And if we know that we're a sheep, and we know what a sheep is, and they live down here, pretty low to the ground, and we know what a shepherd is, and we image God as shepherd, if we see ourselves as sheep and him as shepherd, it's double knowledge. We see our situation, we see him and his powerful love, and we see the gap and the difference, and all we can do, can do is erupt in worship. That's, that's the theology behind worship. We see ourselves, we see God, and what else can we do? Maybe confess our sins and worship him. All right, you ready for the warning? It's kind of a, I don't know if you noticed, but this psalm is kind of, um, I don't know, Debbie Downer type ending on it. But, uh, sorry to the Debbies around, but uh, you, you know, you probably lived with that one before. It really does end poorly. And it seems kind of crazy why you'd have this psalm that is so uplifting and positive end with this big warning. So I want to try to make sense of that. The example given is that the Israelites, the the command is don't harden your hearts. When it comes to become warmer to entering into worship, those of you who are really cool, become warmer. Don't harden your hearts. Your hearts get hard for a lot of reasons. And this happened to Israel in the wilderness. Their hearts got hard and they refused. The ultimate hardness of heart was when they refused to go into the promised land where they were promised rest. And it's so sad when you know that the tragedy of it all is they could have had it all and they ended up 40 years in the wilderness wandering around. And it was, what was it that kept them from going in? It was their anxieties that their fears became greater than their faith. And ah, just, it's so sad. Life is real. 40 years in the wilderness, none of them got to go into the promised land except for Moses and and Joshua. 
But what does that have to do with worship? Well, the way I read it is it's because if they had done what the psalmist is telling this, these people to do, if they had at that place called Kadesh Barnea in Numbers chapter 13, I think it is, if they had taken the time to worship God there, realizing that this is the God of creation, the powerful God who made everything that we can see, including the stars up above, which we went into earlier, he is that powerful, that infinite in his power. And not only that, he is our God. We are the sheep of his pasture, the people that he cares for. And you get that into your system and you worship God. You become warm to that truth and you worship him in spirit and truth and you let go and you kneel down and you do all these things that he's asking you to do and they would have gone in instead of hardening their hearts. It's a tragedy. They would have entered into his rest. Worship brings rest. In Psalm 57, David uh, writes that psalm about a time in his life where Saul is chasing him around the countryside. And a lot of anxiety when you're being chased by a powerful king. And uh, interestingly, in that psalm, David doesn't ask God to deliver him from Saul. Instead, three times in that psalm, what he does is he praises God. He just praises God three times. That's it. That's the psalm. Saul is chasing me. Uh, it's a disaster. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go under. And then he worships God three, time, three different times in that psalm. So it, it, it brings rest to us. Now, uh, another thing I got reacquainted with, this, I'm going to end with this. Uh, this is an old version of the Lord of the Rings. This is the third book. It's so old that it costs $2.50. How's that? But it illustrates this connection between worship and rest. And this is uh, the third book, The Return of the King. And I, I, don't, I wish I had time, you know, for those of you who, who don't know the whole story, uh, I can't go into it, but they're, they're, you know this, I think. You know there's this guy named Frodo who has something called a ring, and it's the, the ring that rules them all, and he's delivering it to... Mount Doom. And this is when um, they're getting close to Mount Doom and the weight of that ring upon Frodo's hand or his finger is great. And who's his buddy? Let's hear it for Sam. You know, Sam is the best. And uh, anybody who has a friend like Sam, you have a friend. I mean, that's, it's just such a beautiful picture of friendship. So on this particular day, uh, they're at the end of the day, and Frodo is just flat out tired. And he and Sam have this little conversation, and Frodo goes to sleep before the last word could come out of his mouth. He can't fit, he hardly finishes his sentence, and he's out. And Sam is awake, and he's thinking about everything as they're in Mordor, which and this evil shadow is is looking out for them, and and uh, it, just the, the feeling that you get as you read this part of the story uh, is very very heavy. And so Sam decides to go outside in his weariness and in his feeling this heaviness. He goes out of the the hiding place they were in and he looks up into the sky and he saw a white star twinkle for a while. The bee of it smote his heart as he looked up out of the forsaken land and and hope returned to him. 
For like a shaft, clear and cold, the thought pierced him that in the end, the shadow, that is the, this evil force, the shadow was only a small and passing thing. There was light and high beauty forever beyond its reach. Now, now Tolkien never uses God's name as we know God in this book, but that's a pretty direct reference to God. Light and high beauty forever beyond the reach of evil and the shadow of evil. Now for a moment, his own fate and even that of Frodo ceased to trouble him. He crawled back into, his bram- into the brambles where they were hiding and laid himself by Frodo's side and putting away all fear, he cast himself into a deep, untroubled sleep. He was able to rest. This is the, what the psalm is inviting us into. Seeing God seeing ourselves, being aware of his all-powerful nature and his all-loving ways, and resting, resting in his presence and in his work. Worship is, here's the deal, worship is really good for us. But if we pursue worship for our own benefit, then it's all about us. So it's kind of funny how it works. But if, if it's all about God, and we realize that it's all about God, good things happen in us and through us, and we can rest. It's all about God. I want to invite you, uh, well, let me explain something. We are not going to have uh, baptisms today. We, we had a lot of things kind of fall apart at the last minute. We're going we're to pick those up in the future. Uh, but we're, instead of that, or part of that, we're still going to do our picnic afterwards, so you're invited to that, okay? But uh, we, we're, we have water around here. Uh, how many places do we have? These two. Okay, you have, you have an invitation to come. There's water in these things. And it's a way of saying, well, baptism, I belong to God. That's what baptism is about, is belonging to God. And you're invited to do that as an act of worship. It's a way, you know, it's kind of a, kind of a veiled way of saying, uh, shouting to the Lord, singing joyfully. You can do that too as we sing. But kneeling and bowing down before God, saying, I belong to you, Lord, and remembering that, remembering your smallness, his infinite power and love. So consider that during this this last song, and I'd like to lead us in a prayer now. Father, we all have our stuff. We all have stuff that um, causes us concern, anxiety. As we look at our to-do list, as we look at our worry list, uh, we don't want to go there right now. <laughs> but we have stuff. It's all about you, Lord. In the end, it's all about you. As we look up into the sky at night with like Sam did or like David did, we can say it's all about you. And then we find our place, our small place in this world where we can rest. I pray that for each one of us now that we would know your infinite power and your infinite love for us. Amen.